This is Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, Atlanta, Georgia, a congregation full of life and love with a legacy of outreach ministries. Everybody's invited to church in person Sunday at 10 a.m. and online at mountpleasantatl.org. And now, the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, Atlanta. Truly, we serve a great God. And I want to honor that great God, amen, in the sanctuary. The God who who made heaven and earth. The blessed triune God who made heaven and earth. Jesus, our Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit. Old folks say our four-day traveler and our hellhound chaser. We honor that God. Amen. Now, I, I bring you greetings from the good book. God is still on the throne. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Asked, and it shall be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open unto you. That's the good news from the good book. I also bring you good news from the book of Benton. Chapter 1, verse 1. I won't hold you long. And even some better news from the book of Benton. Chapter 1, verse 2. I'm not a minister, and I'm sure not a Baptist preacher. So when I say I won't hold you long, you can bank on it. Now, when my son was in high school, his English teacher schooled him on the construction of a good paragraph. She says a good paragraph has five sentences. Sentence number one, tell them what you're going to tell them. Sentences two, three, and four, tell them, tell them, and tell them. (laughs) Sentence number five, tell them what you told them. (laughs) Now, because I'm presenting a message and not a paragraph, I'm going to deviate from that a little bit, but I'm actually going to use that same structure Our our scriptural lesson for today can be found in Psalms 23, the Psalm of David. And you know it, you can turn to it or you can scroll to it on your devices, but I'm sure you already know that song. Verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then we're going to skip down to verse 5, the C clause. My cup runneth over. And I also like to call your attention to Ephesians 3 and 20. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, ask, or 
according to the power that worketh in us. Thank you, and you may be seated. I just gave you part one. What's in your cup, and what will you do with the overflow? Part one. That's what I'm going to tell you. Now we move on to parts two, three, and four. First, let's talk about David. Some say that David's psalm was a psalm of the underdog and the steps of overcoming impossible odds. David, who went from a shepherd boy to a giant slayer, from a warrior to a fugitive, from an adulterer and a murderer to a king and the ancestor of a king. He was neglected by his family. He fathered a rebellious son. He sought refuge in a cave. And yet he, he, had, he was an incredible poet and songwriter. Some might say that that was David's overflow. Scripture reports that he was a man after God's own heart. When David put pen to paper, he wrote perhaps the most quoted and the most memorized passage in the Bible, one that is recited at funerals of many different denominations, one who is recited to comfort the sick, and one that is recited to send brave soldiers to war. The Lord is my shepherd. He said, my cup runneth over. Now the Bible speaks of cup, the, a cup in numerous places. Sometimes it's just a cup meant to hold water or wine. And other times, it represents God's provisions, his blessings, or even his wrath. To understand the cup concept, you have to understand the context in which it is used. First, let's examine Psalms 23 and 5. And then let me remind you, in this particular Psalm of David's, that verses 1 through 3 David is talking about God, but in verses 4 through 6, he is talking to God. Bible scholars will tell you that in 1 through 3, God is represented as a provider, a caregiver, and a good shepherd. Verses 4 through 6, he's represented as a host, receiving welcome guests. So if we focus on verse 4, in the literal sense, he anointeth my head with oil. Could David be talking about the oil that Samuel poured on his head when he was anointed king? Or maybe when guests were come to the house, they were received with oil as a, as a blessing. And sometimes the shepherds would pour oil on the sheep to heal them or to get them free of bugs. Again, the Hebrew custom was to intentionally pour uh, into the vessels of visitors 
and they would pour to the overflow. That meant that the welcome guests were invited to stay as long as they wanted to. Let's look at some of the cups in the Bible and maybe some real life comparisons. Remember the mother of John and, J and James when she asked Jesus if her sons could sit on the right and the left sides of him? And Jesus posed the question, are you able to drink of the cup that I drink? They answered yes, clearly not understanding the question. Possibly Jesus was referring to the upcom his upcoming trip to the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed that the cup be removed. What was in that cup that he prayed to the Father for it to pass from him? You might wonder, why would he pray for the cup to pass when this was also always already predicted in his future? But remember, Jesus was 100% man and 100% divine. What the man saw in the cup was sins, sickness, death, man's inhumanity to man, bitterness, suffering, and pain. But on the divine side, what he saw was salvation restoration, everlasting life, God's anointing on him, and he declared, nevertheless, let thy will be done. It's not easy to obtain the overflow from the cup. The old hymnologist wrote, must I be carried to the cross on flowery beds of ease? I'm sorry, must I be carried to the sky? on flowery beds of ease, while others fought to win the fight and sail the bloody seas. Well, what was in David's cup? He said, thou prepareth a table before me in the presence of my enemies, which speaks sufficiency and approval. So sufficiency, God's favor and approval was in his cup. Then he said, thou anointed my head with oil. Although anointed, he was imperfect, and imperfection was in the cup. We all have read that David was a great shepherd and a skilled musician. So I can imagine his work ethics and his talent must have been in the cup. David had so many blessings in his life that it could only be expressed as his cup running over. In other words, he had an abundance. He expressed gratitude in a painful world, so gratitude must have been in his cup. He used his abundance to destroy enemies, but most importantly, to point people to God. Unbeknownst to him, he used his poetic skill to provide encouragement, comfort to grieving families during the loss of a loved one. He says that God leads, God protects, God provides, and God blesses. So God's protection, his provision, 
and his blessings were in his cup, so much so that his cup was running over. Got a question for you. What's in your cup? What is overflowing out of your cup? Is it bitterness? Ugliness? Criticism? Disdain? Do folk hate to see you coming? If your cup is filled with negativism, there is no room for God's favor. Consider a cup filled to the brim with mud. Try as you may to put water in it, it would just slide off the top. You have to empty your cup in order to receive the spirit for, for, of God working in your life. A cup runs over when it cannot hold all that is being poured into it. Jesus wants to pour into you so that you can pour into others. Psalm 16.5 says that you cannot separate the cup that overflows from the hand that pours. Your cup is not greater than God's fountain. You ask for one blessing, God gives you many. You need to be forgiven. God not only forgives, he forgets. The book of Hebrews declares that I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. You ask, for, ask God for a job, he gives you a career. You ask him to stop the pain, he gives you healing. You pray for an apartment, he blesses you with a house. You ask for mercy, he adds grace. You ask for friends and he gives you a village. In order to keep your cup overflowing, you must share out of your substance, grace, mercy, prayers, concerns, well wishes. The Lord said he would open up a wind of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you shall not have room enough to see, receive. Now that's overflow. Our second scripture, Ephesians 3:20. He is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Let that marinate a little bit. Exceedingly, 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 and then abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. Sometimes we just think of stuff and God is right there. You have to be willing to commit to the Lord and present him what you have. Then allow him to open up that proverbial window of heaven and pour you out blessings. Don't you remember the lad with the two fish and the five loaves? In Jesus' hands, it became an overflow and fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. And because Jesus works abundantly and in overflow, 12 baskets were left over. 
Now, the Bible doesn't say what happened to those 12 baskets, but I believe from the book of Benton that he returned those baskets to the little boy because he works in overflow. What's in your cup? Unbelief sees an empty cup. Doubt debates whether the cup is half full or half empty. Fears wonder if the cup will be lost, broken, or stolen. And then what are you doing with your overflow? Do not be like the rich king who had a great harvest and he built a bigger bun. Then he said, my soul, eat, drink, and be merry. And his soul was lost and his crop went to someone who did not even plant. David's ability to say my cup runs over had nothing to do with him and his circumstances, but everything to do with God. Blessings that flow from our cups are not the results of per a perfect life, but from God knowing and having us in him, him in us. Yes, David sinned, but his life was not characterized by his sins. When he repented, God agreed with him. Psalms 116, which David did not write, by the way, but he could have, it says, how can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation, and I will call on the name of the Lord. In case you didn't get it, let me put it succinctly. Let me tell you what I told you. We always down to part five. What's in your cup? And what do you do with the overflow? If you let God fill your cup, he will fill it with salvation, holiness, anointing, Redemption and everlasting life. Salvation, S. Holiness, H. Anointing, A. Redemption, R. And everlasting life, E. In other words, what do you do with your overflow? You share it. Let God fill your, over, your cup and live in the overflow because he pours big. Amen. I'm done. I told you. They say if you can't be good, be short. Amen. You've been listening to the Mount on the Go podcast. If you've been enjoying the word, please consider donating to the Mount Pleasant Ministry. We have various ways that you can give to the ministry to allow us to become better in our pursuit of delivering God's word to you. You can give via PayPal at mtpleasantatl.org. You can give via Zale, info at mtpleasantatl.org. You can also give via Square and Givelify. For Givelify, just search for Mount Pleasant Baptist Church with our address, 17 Melvin Avenue, Southeast Atlanta, Georgia, and you'll be in the right place. In addition to all these options, you're always welcome and invited to grab an envelope 
and have cash or checks sent to the church whose address is again 17 Millen avenue southeast atlanta georgia for questions comments and concerns feel free to email us at info at mtpleasantatl.org that's info at mtpleasantatl.org you can also visit our website www.mountpleasantatl.org to follow us on youtube and facebook for the video version of the podcast our services are live every Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you are more than welcome to visit the church in person every Sunday at the same time. Thank you so much for listening.